Hello and welcome to another episode of Your Intention Matters, the podcast. My name is Paul Madot. Thanks again for uh, taking some time to join us today. Today I have Hannah Clinton. She is Director of Sales Enablement for EMEA over at Trip Actions, coming to us from London, England. Good morning. Actually, good afternoon, Hannah. How are you? Hi, Paul. I'm great, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you for being here. Say hi to everybody and uh, provide a quick intro, please. So hi, uh, great to be chatting to, to Paul today. Uh, as you said, my name's Hannah Clinton. I work as a director in the sales enablement space for Trip Actions. Um, and yeah, just really excited to chat to you all today. Well, great. I appreciate you allocating the time as we talked about before we hit uh, record. It's been uh, been an interesting few months uh, and I know that you're in a new role. And so I do I do appreciate the allocation of time here. And so let's get into it. The title of the podcast, as you know, is called Your Intention Matters, and that's really built on the foundation that nothing's really given to any of us, and we have to find a way to create it. And so I'm looking forward to you sharing your story. But before we get into it, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, uh, how have the last been, uh, the last few months been? Because a lot has happened. I mean, your country is going through, uh, you know, an exit from the U- from the EU, and then uh, you have not been immune to COVID and you have not been immune to social conversations and injustice around Black Lives Matter and protest. And so uh, how has 2020 been for you overall, plus minus on it? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone's used the phrase unprecedented a lot, right? It's been a really strange year so far. Um, I think, especially in the travel industry, you know, COVID-19's really been, uh, it's really had a massive impact on our industry. and, and that's been a really sad time, but it's also been a real time for innovation. So um, the needs of business travelers have changed rapidly um, with, the, with, with the COVID-19 crisis. So it's been actually a challenge, but also really exciting to be in the industry during that time. Um, and as for being in a new company, you know, TripAction is very technology forward. So, you know, great, great to be part of that story. Um, Black Lives Matter has been um, something that has has affected everyone I think and our company's certainly not been immune to that we've been having lots of town halls lots of open discussions I've been you know really touched by how open the leadership team have been at trip actions and I think it's fair to say you know we definitely stand by by Mm -hmm. our black colleagues um as for brexit i i don't think we probably have time to go go through that in too much detail um but yeah suffice to say that has added another layer of complexity to the industry i work in with you know where can we go will we have new passports you know is the red going and blues in um so that's just another big question mark for us here in britain right now well, listen, I have to say overall, I'm glad to hear that uh, uh, that your company is stepping up in a way that you can be proud of. And I'm glad to hear that other than maybe the perceived inconvenience of having to work from home and hunker down, that you're safe, your family's safe, and everybody seems to be pretty good. And and uh, hopefully, you know, we're out in front of this and um, we'll, we'll see what happens here. And so uh, with that said, uh, let's get into it then. You ready to share your story? Yeah, let's go for it. Okay, all right. We're going back here a little bit. Uh, About 12 years or so, King's College in London. 
Bachelor of Arts in French and Hispanic Studies. That is a perfect segue into a career in sales and sales enablement. So um, talk to me about what you thought you'd be doing with your career. Did you have a vision at the time for where you were going and, and what you thought you'd be doing? Um, I mean, I think when I started my university degree, I picked something that I just enjoyed, which was languages. And, you know, keep in mind here in Britain, I, I don't know how it is in the US, but you're 17 when you pick your college choices and what you study. So you don't necessarily know unless it's, you know, medicine or law, exactly what you'll go into. So certainly for the first year or so of my degree, I, I thought I'd probably be doing something in translation or diplomacy, something, something like that. But after I've been living in London a couple of years, um, the reality hit that London's a pretty expensive city. And, um, you know, I was financially motivated to go into an industry that, um, you know, could give me the financial freedom I was looking for. So towards the end of my degree, I started thinking, you know, sale, sales might be the way to go. Um, I love travel. So uh, when I finished, Plus. I started thinking, okay, how can I combine those two things? Um, and that, that's, that was the beginning for me. All right. And so when, so it's funny that you say that about London because I live in Toronto and Toronto is, I find to be an expensive town as well. And, and that was, a, I was out of work when I first found sales, but I, I, sales is one of those jobs where it's the best job in the world and it can be the worst job in the world. It can be the highest paying job in the world and it can be the lowest paying job in the world. And so it's interesting that you chose, all right, so, you, so you're in an expensive part of the world in terms of where you live. And so as a result, you need to find a career that allows you to at least manage so that you can live the lifestyle that you want and, and sales was that and so uh, did you start with flight center i did start okay. with flight center and, and before i go into it apologies i said the u.s i did not realize you're in canada paul so. no that's quite all right you know what actually <laughs> my, my I actually I, i'm in the u.s all the time not so much as of late but my linkedin profile actually says newport beach because my two partners are based out of la so i toggle back and forth putting toronto but i actually live in toronto i'm actually canadian uh, and so, you know, I'm speaking to you. You have the British accent. I clearly don't. <laughs> and so sometimes. Well, my apologies. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. And so uh, when you flight center, you're there for uh, eight, uh, a long period of time with a number of different roles and different branches. Did flight center find you? Did you interview with them initially? How did that happen? This is actually a really funny story. So I, I'd done some research and I was a, a leisure customer of flight centers at the time. I did a bit of a trip when I when I graduated. And so, you know, I had in my head, right, my intent is I, I want to work in sales and I decided travel was the, you know, the obvious way in for me because I was so passionate about that. And I applied for flight center and I got rejected three times. <laughs> so um, it was in the middle of the financial crisis here in the right. UK, so 2008. Finding work was really difficult, um, but I knew that I could be good at that job. Um, I don't think it's arrogance. I just think it's confidence. I, I thought, no, I, I can definitely do this. So after the third rejection via email, um, I actually went down to their head office and I said, look, I keep applying. You keep knocking me back because you say I'm not well enough traveled. But the reality is I've been spending my time studying and now I'm here in London. Um, you know, I don't want to take a gap year. I just want to get into work. Um, please, can you interview me? And I think it could have gone either way, right? They could have called security or interviewed me. But uh, they chose to interview me. 
and then that's when when my career started. So so you so your start with Flight Center really resulted in three rejections of not even they wouldn't even interview you, let alone like reject you after the interview. It was like, no, we don't even want to talk to you. Yeah, correct. It was just she's too green. She's not well enough traveled. Um, you know, she, she's got a good degree, but you know, she's, she's not from our world. Do, do you believe Hannah, that your decision to actually go there in person uh, and have that conversation and show that, Hey, listen, I really want this factored into their openness to at least interviewing you versus just another email reply. Uh, yeah, I think definitely. If one thing's not working, try another one. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was probably my first my first taste of the the combo in sales. You know, <laughs> try the different methods to to do your pipeline generation. All right, and so so what was the interview process like? Once they interviewed you, was it the was it one and done, or did you did they make you jump through hoops? And how did that happen before you before you were finally given the green light? No, so this was an entry level role. So once once I got a foot in the door, it was a very simple one hour interview and a you know a, a small a small test a maths test, and that was it. Okay, so now, so you're at Flight Center, uh, massive organization in the industry, uh, global presence. They're actually Australian, are they not? Uh, out, out of the yes. glo- global, yeah. globally based out of Australia, they have presence here in Canada, definitely in the U.S., obviously in the U.K. and so on. So you've got a long runway, and I know that you spent the better part of 12 years there before you decided to move on. And I'm, I, I look forward to talking about your decision to leave. So talk to me about your 12 years because that's not the most common. It's not uncommon anymore, but it's not the most common thing either. There doesn't seem to be the loyalty on either side from employer to employee and employee to employers. The, your generation tend to, I see, three to five years or two to four years, and then you know they go somewhere else. And so talk to me about your decision to, to stay with Flight Center for as long as you did in the number of different roles. Yeah, I think that's a great call out for my generation. And I think had Flight Center not been such a big organization at the time and not had so many different brands and different roles that I could go into, um, it probably would have been more of the typical three to five years. Um, but Flight Center have a philosophy of promoting from within, um, w- which was was great for me. Um, I managed to have success early on and then move into different parts of the business. So that really kept it fresh for me. Um, so working across leisure and corporates, um, and into enterprise. Um, I was also fortunate enough to work um, in our European offices, which just was a whole nother learning experience for me. So I think my career probably was in those three to five year chunks. It's just I did it three or four times. Okay, well, well, that's that's common as well. I think about my career at Xerox, it was 10 years better part and I had four or five, uh, but three or four jobs in the 10 years. And so you just kind of build your career within the same umbrella. And so in, in your job, um, a number of different roles, you know, operation manager, head of strategic sales, you know, you, you moved over to the business side of the coin. Talk to me about your decision a few years ago to move over to FCM. Was that yours? Did they kind of pluck you out? How did that happen? So that that, that was a request. Um, I got offered that opportunity um, and I'd been working more in the, the SME space on the corporate sales side, um, doing sales enablement and sales leadership there. And at the time, Flight Center had acquired a new business in Europe and they wanted someone to go enable that business from a sales perspective, but also from a cultural perspective. So it was just a really great opportunity. Um, And I'd wanted to get into the enterprise side of the business as well. Um, I always believe, you know, keep learn, keep growing, keep keep moving up. So yeah, that that's what led me to to the FCM role. Did that job satisfy your desire to travel more so than the other jobs? 
Yes, definitely. I was back and forth to uh, six different countries in Europe every week for nine months with that role. So wow. Very much a project-based role, but it was a lot of fun. Um, I'm sure a lot of my colleagues were super jealous of me doing that because, you know, I mean, it sounds glamorous, right? You're in Oslo one week, Stockholm the next week. And the reality is you're, you know, away from your family and staying in a hotel, but it still was a lot of fun. Um, and I met a lot of amazing people that had completely different cultural views when it came to work so that was a good learning experience well i appreciate your comment around the travel part as somebody who, who travels uh, myself obviously not right now during what we're going on it's pretty much all virtual but in a normal environment uh, fair share of air miles and the novelty of the travel can can go away when you're traveling by yourself but there's a lot of fun to it as well because you get to a different city or you get to a repeat city that you've been before and Maybe go to a restaurant that you found that's pretty good, and and uh, you know if you're married, you need a little bit of space sometimes as well, and so that so that works out. That you know, I think my, my wife's a nurse, and for as much as she'll say, oh, you know, I I miss it when you go away. I think she got into the habit of I'd be away for about three days, and then you know we just kind of need our space sometimes too. So, uh, so okay, so you decide to take that plunge. You travel around for a bit. You get the enterprise experience. Well, what, what drew you back? Why didn't you stay in that role uh, more than for longer than you did? It was always a project-based role. So um, when I was asked to do it by by the corporate MD, he said to me, look, this could take six months, it could take 18 months, but once the infrastructure's in place, you then hand that over for local drive. So around two months before it closed, um, you know, I, I sent the report and said, look, I think, I think we're nearly there. We've got a sales team set up. We've got processes. Um, we've got cultural alignment. I think it's ready to hand over. Um, and then I said, so what have you got for me back here on home soil? Okay. And so, uh, so, so they bring you back a number of different roles under flight center overall. I'm curious about your, your shift from direct sales into enablement, because as somebody who's done that himself in a, in a previous life, and now I kind of do both a little bit with what I do for a living, they're, they're very different jobs, like, like vastly different jobs. I mean, you can be a dynamic individual contributor and somebody who doesn't belong anywhere near the enablement side. And conversely, you can be an average run-of-the-mill rep and doing their thing, but just have a great passion and eye and mind for the creation of, of content and training and how to deliver it. And they're just vastly different. And so did you did you find that? Did someone like speak to you about it and then that kind of triggered an interest? And so how did that happen? So I did some very light enablement early on in my career um, and I really got uh, the flavor for it. And I was approached for that. They were essentially looking for um, top individual contributors that they could then train up to be, to work in the enablement space. So that kind of took my fancy. So I did that for a couple of years and then I took on the more senior enablement role, um, you know, be before my move. I really just loved that, that idea of, um, you know, someone that's done the role, then also enabling on the role. And I absolutely agree with you, Paul, not, not everyone has both of those skill sets. Sometimes you're fantastic at one or fantastic at the other. Mm. Um, I think for me, it was a case of, okay, I've done the doing now and I'm definitely ready to carve out a career in enablement. When I interviewed for trip actions, they asked me the exact same question. So they said, why aren't you going for the, the sales VP role? Why the enablement role? I said, look, I've made a decision now that this is where I want my career to go. Um, I've had a good year of doing it 
Um, and, I, and this is just the world that I really, really love. Um, and I wanted to be able to get deeper into that with the technology side as well as the training side. You know, I, I so respect your comment around um, having cut your teeth doing it and then transferring into enablement. It, it, it always surprises me. No disrespect to the individual, of course, but it surprises me that there are some companies who will actually put people in enablement who have never even sold. And, and, it, and it's, not that I, it's not to me that they don't belong there, but I just think it's so much harder for them to do that job because if you haven't lived in our shoes as a salesperson, then unfortunately you don't have that, that, that side of it. You don't, you don't get what it's like to be on quota and the responsibilities day to day and hitting the number and, and what it takes to actually close. You can be a great enablement person, but I just think, God, it's so much harder for that. And so, so you did it. I imagine that the fact that you did do it with some, um, with some solid results uh, must have added to your credibility when you're speaking to people about the enablement side of the business, I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, that's what I love about my team in general. I think to your point, you need a couple of, you know, enablement experts in terms of instructional design and how yeah. to put together a course. And I think that's things that you learn throughout your career. And, you know, I'm I'm learning every day on that. But I love the fact that, you know, in my team, we have the, the guy that trains our SDRs, Omar, he's fantastic. And he was, a, you know, an award-winning SDR in the company. So he's done that. So when he's up in front of people, they're really engaged with, you know, his cold calling sessions because he's done that, you know, however many thousands of times in the years he was an SDR. Same with, you know, the guys that look after our mid-market or our commercial, they've all right. come through that funnel. Um, and I think that just does make it easier and it does add that layer of credibility for sure. All right. So uh, at this point in your career, flight centers, all, you know, uh, yeah, mul multiple exactly. jobs, a couple divisions, but all under the same umbrella, 12 years of, of your, of your working career. Um, and you decide to leave. Was it, it must've been your choice. Keep me honest here, but I imagine it was your choice to move on. And I imagine if it was, and I'd like you to share your story here, that it probably was not an overnight easy decision either after that length of time. So if you're open to it, um, what happened and uh, what was behind your decision to move over to TripActions? Yeah, happy to share. I mean, not only was Flight Center 12 years of my life, I also met my husband there. So um, it was oh. a very difficult decision to leave. Um, you know, friends for life, my bridesmaids all came from there at my wedding. It's um, It really was a family Family, affair. yeah. Yeah. Um, but in essence, when I started doing the enablement role towards the end of my career at Flight Center, um, I'd attended you know, a lot of really great seminars, webinars, um, conferences. I'd really immersed myself in the enablement world. And I knew that to build out a world-class enablement team, which was what my intent was, you needed that mixture of you know, coaching, but you also needed a technology stack to support that. Right. Um, I had raised this a few times, it was in my business plan, and um, it, it was proving to be quite difficult. So I had a conversation with my husband and I just said, look, I've, I feel I've done well at, at every role I've done, and I feel right now I can't deliver. Like, I can't be the best that I can be. And he said, well, you've got to find a way to articulate that because you need these things. So, right. I, you know, I tried to do that, and that was a learning for me, get better at that. <laughs> um, but the, the upshot was that after around six to eight months of doing that, I realized, look, the company I was working for at the time, they're not ready to make that change. Um, certainly not in my region, in EMEA. 
uh, the US was perhaps a bit more forward there, but but here there just wasn't that appetite. And I knew, look, I can get a training team together. I can train BDMs and SDRs and AEs on all of the skills they need, but if they don't have the basic tech stack to enable them to go out and PG effectively and quickly and be productive, my results as a you know enablement lead will look poor because sure. they won't be able to deliver. And ultimately that's what I stand up at a you know QBR and say these are my results. So it was about taking ownership. So back in October, uh, November, December time last year, I, I decided right, I need to look for a company that can do that. And I had a short list on my wish list and they weren't actually all in travel, but it just worked out beautifully for me that um, trip actions had been on my radar for a few months. And when this role came up, I just said to, to my husband, I said, this is the one. That's yours. Like, I, I have, yeah, this, yeah, this is it. Like I have to just prepare for this. I have to kill this interview or interviews. They put me through a pretty rigorous process <laughs> um, because this is the dream. It's, I knew they had a world-class enablement team. I knew they were really heavily invested in tech and the enablement tech side of things. Um, and I knew the leader here, Lauren, um, came from really high pedigree from, from Silicon Valley. So it was just a super exciting opportunity. And um, yeah, I, I was. it was just the right time to move. And I'm so grateful for everything I learned at Flight Center. It really put me on this path um, and flight center got me to okay enablement that's what you want to do right uh, trip actions would get me in the next three or five years to say okay enablement that's what you do um, and you did it for a world a world-class organization well that's so great to hear that it really worked out the way that it was supposed to work out uh, having said that uh, i don't imagine the first six months of your career at trip actions is exactly the way you drew it up Given I me, mean, when you take the job in January, the world was aware of COVID, but certainly over here it was on page twelve. Like it wasn't really, you know, top of mind at all. And uh, I often will share this. My wife's a nurse, and so she was a stay-at-home mom for four years. She decided to go back to work in February when COVID was still uh, kind of there, but wasn't really at the top. And then, of course, you know, March comes along and like the whole world kind of shut down. And so um, this probably wasn't in your plans for the first six months on the job. And so um, how have you been? How has it been going? How have you managed it? And I imagine no regrets of, of your decision to join the company. But how have you managed uh, the six months, uh, given that we're all in this together right now? Yeah, I mean, great question. I, I was fortunate enough that I got to go out to um, to Palo Alto where HQ is. I spent three weeks out there in February, just before everything hit. Fortunately, I'd managed to make um, the personal connections with the people in the business that I needed. And then I had two weeks in the office in London and then that was it. Since then, we've all been at home. So um, enabling the team from home, I've had to really pivot, you know, using Zoom and right. how to how do we communicate? Everyone's learning that playbook. Um, so that's been very, very interesting. I think the other thing was there was, of course, this fear because I'd moved from, you know, tenure to a brand new company that was still selling a travel product, right. albeit a more tech forward one. It's still within the travel sphere and I'm brand new and then COVID hits. So I'm thinking, oh God, this, this, this could be awful for me. Um, but I think my decision to move was was quickly validated when I saw just how quickly Trip Actions pivoted to deal with that. So 
within a matter of hours they were there with you know traveler tracking dashboards and COVID-19 dashboards and blacklisting and right. I, I was blown away with how quickly they responded with the tech and then how quickly they responded with us um, working for them with you know work from home setups and right. you know making sure we were safe transitioning the all hands onto zoom it was just really really seamless so that made me feel good about my decision um in what could have been a pretty nerve-wracking time oh yeah i mean absolutely especially when you add the fact of the industry that you're in and how it's been so hit i mean everywhere else, we've all been hit but there's been some that have been hit significantly harder than others just some like zoom you mentioned i imagine they're flourishing right now oh. right i mean i should have bought some stock and <laughs> when zoom or even webex right. about, about a year ago right <laughs> And uh, and so here you were in this industry where it's been hit, unfortunately, very hard. And uh, and so you have to manage through that. And so, I, uh, Hannah, I appreciate you taking the time to share your story here. I've enjoyed it. Uh, I, before I let you go, I always like to ask anybody who comes on, if you wanted to share any advice that maybe has worked for you or that's been given to you over the years, if there was one piece of advice that you had for anybody listening, um, anything come to mind? Yeah, I, I think the biggest piece of advice that um i've i've received and i would also now give is just know when it's the right time to move so know if you don't have the resources you need or you know maybe it's not the right leadership whatever it might be for you just know know your value and know when the right time to go is and then really research those options and say okay this will give me a platform where i can be successful oh wonderful great advice well hannah clinton thanks so much for freeing up the time uh, as I said, I know 2020 is not exactly the way that you, you drew it up, but uh, congrats on everything you've been able to, the, to create thus far, and I appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. You're welcome. All right, everybody, we're going to wrap this one up right now. Remember, your intention matters because that's the result you'll tend to get. We're out of here, and uh, we'll see you next week. Be safe. Thank you.